Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a cold Sunday evening here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy helped me get in the best shape of my life in 2022, and he's helping me push that even further in 2023. So if you're working on your health and fitness goals this year, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner. I guarantee he will help you reach your goals in 2023. Now, there are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I'm also excited to announce a new sponsor to the show, the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Now, if you watch these episodes on YouTube, you will see one of their flags behind me in the studio. I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years. I really can't recommend them enough, so go to sasquatchflags.com and check out all of their unique designs. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all my books for a discount. I've bundled all the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website. Check it out if you are looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about service-focused leadership, and my guest is Neil Woodson. Neil has made it his personal mission to make the employee and customer experience more humane by focusing on more human-centered, service-focused leadership. Now, if you want to get the most out of your team and create a better customer experience, you need to listen to this important conversation. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Neil Woodson. Neil is a returning guest, and you might remember him from way back in episode 28. Neil has more than 30 years of leadership experience across a wide range of environments, including restaurants, retail, education, and the hospitality industry. Throughout his career, he's repeatedly experienced the impact of both good and bad management on customers 
and employees. He's made it his personal mission to make the employee and customer experience more humane by focusing more on human-centered and service-focused leadership. He is the author of The Uncomplicated Coach, which helps leaders learn how to create a more human-centered, service-focused culture. And I'm honored to have him back on the show to talk about the leader's role in customer service. So, Neil, welcome back. Thank you, John. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. And it seems like it was like weeks ago that we were together, but it was really three years ago. So. It does seem like yesterday. Like we we've known each other since then. We interact a lot online, uh, and but it's been it's been three years. I mean, uh, it was July of 2020 that we last last met, and we we were just talking. We, it was like the beginning of the pandemic. We were going into this world of uncertainty back then. And uh, now, three years later, we're still uncertain. <laughs> so, at least, I don't know. Maybe we are certain. I don't know. But uh, but it's good to see you again. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about your book last time, which I love. We're going to we're probably get into a little bit today. But one of the things that you are an expert in is the topic of customer service and something we haven't really covered on the show. And it, it just my personal experience, I've noticed that customer service just just has doesn't exist anymore. You know, nobody cares anymore for you. And I see that more and more with companies. And even though we're, you know, we see that this, you know, there's all these customer experience initiatives going on around around, you know, companies, but it seems like it's not getting any better. And what's what's your take on it? What's the problem with customer service these days? Well, John, this is gonna be a, a relatively long answer. So <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. Okay. But I I in a lot of the things I've observed over the years, I've seen four things and, and that that are problems, and they bug me. So um, the first one is misplaced priorities. And, and I think that that begins with a misunderstanding of the purpose of business. Um, if you were to go somewhere and see a whole bunch of business leaders and you ask them, what's the purpose of business? I'm going to venture to say that nine out of 10 are going to say it's to make money or to make a profit. And I think that's a problem because it kind of puts the cart before the horse. And it, to me, it's like saying the purpose of life is breathing. Um, and I don't know anybody that sits around and counts their breaths or hoards air. But yet we need to breathe to live. But hopefully we have a more meaningful purpose to our lives than just breathing. And so I, I think if we look at the purpose of business, you look at any business, Every business that I know of is there to help people do something, help people to accomplish something. You have a business. Your business is to help people, you know, get the right gear they need to uh, to fix electrical stuff, you know? Yeah. And every business is in that business, is in the business of helping people accomplish things. And I, I often find it funny that, you know, when we talk about service, people kind of deride it. They put it down and they, you know, somebody says, I, I work in a service job. And they're like, oh, you'll find a real job soon. And, and they, you know, we don't make service something that's noble. But little do we know that none of us would be here if it weren't for service. Because 100,000 years ago, we had to cooperate and be helpful with each other or none of us would be here. We're not the biggest. We're not the fastest. We're not the strongest. And without being helpful and, and service-oriented, we, we couldn't kill the saber-toothed tiger. We couldn't have gotten food. We couldn't, there were so many things that we couldn't do if we hadn't helped each other. So, 
So that's the first problem, misplaced priorities. We put our priorities on a bunch of other stuff, but not service. Second problem is that we create cultures of competition in our workplaces. Walk into workplaces and you see, you know, people being ranked. You see salespeople in, in having organized competitions against each other. Mm. You see departments vying with each other for budget money or for recognition or whatever. And we set up these, and in fact, we unwittingly sometimes encourage competition in our workplace. But yet we expect people to go out and be all sunny and nice with a customer. And I don't think it works that way. That's like, you know, when I was a kid, there was a kid down the street who was, he was an okay kid, but he could, he could, he had a really bad temper and he would get into a fight in a heartbeat. Well, I went to his house one day and his dad, when he came home, all he did was yell at his kid, mm. you know? Well, it all made sense from that standpoint. So if we create these cultures where people are competing at work, how do we expect them to go out and be cooperative with customers? Third thing is that we put too much attention on technical stuff, on technical competence, rather than human competence. Yeah. Um, and by human competence, I mean what people used to call soft skills, right? You know, being nice to each other, being compassionate, um, problem solving, critical thinking. Those things are softer skills. Those are, and you can't measure them. Um, but we put a lot of emphasis on technical skills, ability, knowledge, the things that you can measure. And I think when we work with humans, you have to have that soft part or it's just not going to work. And then last, there is a belief that training and design are the things that will fix it. Mm. My feeling is that that doesn't work. Um, if, if my environment does not, if I don't see every day in my environment, people serving each other, I'm not going to go out and serve customers. Mm. That's like, that's like when you, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Um, and I'm sure you probably did this just like I did. You wanted to teach your kids to say please and thank you. But if you sat down with the said and, and, and said, you know, when you ask for something, you need to say please. And when it's given to you, you say thank you. But if you immediately then go and sit down at your dinner table and you never say please or thank you, that's not going to stick. Yeah. So all the training in the world is not going to stick if they don't see it demonstrated around them on a regular basis. So to me, those are four big problems, and we're not solving those problems. We're doing everything but solving those problems. Yeah, I think it's, you're spot on because I, I see all those things, you know, in my time in corporate, I definitely see, saw a lot of those things. In fact, we started our business only because we knew that the big companies in our industry were failing when it came to customer service. And we said, all we have to do is just be a little bit better than them and we'll get all their business. And that's exactly what's happened. We answer the phone. We, we provide a quote within 24 hours. We ship faster than anybody else in the industry. And suddenly we have all this business and more business that we can handle. And all we're doing, we have similar products. And all we've done is just add a little bit of customer service. Not even a lot, like just a little bit better. And people are like, oh, this is so much, you know, I'm, we're, we're switching. And, and it seems like, you know, like you said, we're focused on profitability and, and costs and, and, uh, and, and sales growth and orders, the numbers of, of business. But you need customer service if you're going to get the numbers. What we've learned is that when you ramp up your customer service, the business comes and more business than you can handle if you're good at what you do. I mean, we look at Chick-fil-A, for example, as you compared to all other fast food chains, they've put customer service being a priority 
and look at the amount of sales they have per store compared to the other people. So if you place customer service a priority, the numbers come, but we don't do that for some reason. It, now, it, just in your opinion, is there some sort of like um, magic bullet that's going to fix this? Because it seems like we're kind of messed up <laughs> and, I and I don't know if we can get back on track, but uh, is there something that can fix it? Um, that's a loaded question, really, but, um, it's one that I get asked all the time. Um, and I'll, I'll, I will, I'll tell you a little story. I was, um, on the golf course and, uh, this few years ago on the golf course with some buddies of mine, it was just three of us and we needed a fourth to make up a foursome. Well, there was a guy waiting at, with the starter to see if he could join somebody. And the guy said, yeah, come over here and join this group. Here's a threesome. We didn't know the guy. Fine. We, and we started playing. And as usually happens when you do this, you start talking about, so, you know, you have a family, you have, you live around here. You know, what do you do for a living? And of course, when it comes around to me, well, what do you do for a living? Well, you know, I do a lot of training and coaching and leadership and customer service. And immediately this guy says, oh my gosh, you can help me. <laughs> I have my own company. Tell me what I need to tell, what, something I can tell my employees so that they will deliver the greatest customer service. I mean, what is the thing? What is the one thing? And I said, well, it's probably not one thing, but if there was, it would have to be this. And I looked up and I said, you have to care. Mm. You have to care. And I said, and he looked at me and kind of like, is that it? You know, he was, I think he was waiting for some big, you know, monumental thing. And I said, well, there's a little more detail to it. I mean, you have to care not only about the work you do, but you have to care about the people you're doing it for. You need, you need to care about their well-being. And two, everybody in your organization needs to care from the CEO to your administrative people, to your management, all the way to your customer-facing employees. Everybody's got to care. And they have to care about the people they serve. They need to care about the, the quality of their work and the well-being of all those people they serve. Because everybody serves somebody. Said so. If you can make that happen, you're on the right track. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, care. That's a big one that we don't really do a good job of <laughs> in general. You know, I mean, when I look at, you know, I did 22 years in corporate, and um, you know. Care is a word that's like soft. We were talking about earlier. You know, it's a it's a soft skill, which seems to be really hard for corporate bosses to be able to put into place. Right? They can do they can do everything. Uh, you know, you know, inventory reduction, quality improvement plans. You know, downsizing. They got all that down, but caring seems to be a struggle for them. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so what's what's the leader's role in it? So like, you know, you're talking about this guy who runs his own company, I run my own company. What's what's how how can the leader uh you know impact customer service? How does it come down from from on high? Well, it's a lot like parenting, actually. But let me give you, I'll give you a model that's had a lot of influence on me. Um, I'm sure you know who Stephen Covey is, right? Oh, yeah. Um, seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Eighth Habit, First Things First. You know, very, very influential to millions of people all over the world. Um, and Stephen Covey had a model. He called it See, Do, Get. Mm. And there's another company that's 
that's out there right now called the Arbinger Institute. They wrote a book called The Outward Mindset, they wrote Leadership and Self-Deception, and they have a model called Mindset, Behavior, and Results. Roughly, they're the same model, right? And what it describes is that what we see and, and what we hear on a regular basis influences what we do, our behaviors. And those behaviors directly drive the results that we get. Mm. So if we think about that model for a second, we think about what are the messages and the models that people see all the time, you know? And so if you think as a parent, what kind of messages and models do you want to deliver to your children? You know, again, we go back to, I want you to say please and thank you. And then you've got to do it, right? And then when you do it and they see you do it, and that's the environment that they live in, what are the chances they're going to do it? Probably pretty high, right? So if you ask me very simply, what is the leader's role? They need to be the message and the model. They need to be, they need to be the ones showing up like a parent to do those things to try to influence their kids to do the same thing. I'll tell you another story real quick. Is um that goes along with this. My years ago, my daughter and I was, my kids were in the back seat, my wife's over here, and we're driving and and I'm looking for something. I couldn't find it. And I'm getting upset, you know, and thinking we've passed it. Oh my gosh, you know, whatever. And um, so I start saying some words I shouldn't say. <laughs> and so all of a sudden my daughter chimes and she says, Daddy. And I'm like, Hannah, I'm busy. I'm trying to find this damn place. You know, I'm, I'm just saying stuff I shouldn't say. She said, Daddy, you've always told us never to say things like that. Oh, Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, I look over and the better angels of my nature show up and say, you better come up with the right answer to this. Yeah. And so I pulled over and I said, you're, you're right and I'm wrong. You know, um, you need to call me out whenever I do that. Yeah, yeah. And I, the lesson for me was, you know, you really do have to model what, you're, what, what you want, the expectations. And so if we want our employees to have that, we, we've got to, we got, that's what the leader's responsibility. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's reinforcing those principles, you know, like as a parent, you know, our, our, the lessons are caught, not taught, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're seeing, they're, our, our kids are watching us. <laughs> what are we going to do? And like, versus what we say, right? And I know, like, for example, when we started our company, we said we were going to be a different kind of supplier. And one of the ways we were going to be different was that if a customer has a problem with our products, we just take it back. No questions asked and, and, and refund the money or replace it. We just don't, we don't, because the, the other companies in our industry tend to argue with them. Well, you probably installed it wrong. And so there's always a big fight. We said, we're going to, no questions asked. But the problem comes when those things come up and, you know, there's a $10,000 part coming back. And they look at, you know, my employees look at me, are we going to do that? Are we going to take this back? And I have, you know, and, and that's when the leader has, that's the moment. The, mm, the, yeah. When you say, you know, we can't do that. That's too much money. Then you've just, it'll, it's over. Like your, your strategy is over. And so that's, you know, cause I've had that happen to me and, and I've had to look at them and say, our principle is we're going to take it back no matter what. And, and I'm in, in the back of my head, I'm going, this is going to hurt, but it's it's going we're, we're it's it's important for our culture. It's important for what the principles we're trying to set. So the leader is is as you're saying is like has to establish and maintain that good behavior by their actions, right? And they they have to be the thing that people look to and say, okay, that's how this is supposed to look. This is yeah. how this is supposed. To. I mean, do you think that you were talking about Chick Fil A? You think all them those employees walk around saying my pleasure, right? If they never hear it, 
No, their manager says my pleasure to them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, th- and that manager's boss says my pleasure to him. So that mm-hmm. it trickles down. So it's part of the culture. That's how they do things. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search-and-rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor the show. I can't recommend them enough. So if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American-made gift to give away, or if you want to treat yourself, go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It seems, it seems easy, you know, when you, when you hear it, when you look at the, 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 the financial performance of a Chick-fil-A store typically compared to all of their rivals, you would think that everybody would would emulate that and uh, and 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 put that kind of service model in place because it it makes sense financially. Ignore everything else. If you're a greedy financial company, you're going to want these things in place. You should want to replicate it. 
So why, you know, why haven't the other guys replicated their their model, I wonder? Because they don't believe it. Ah, yes. They don't believe it. And they, you know, I I can't tell you how many times I get asked, oh, prove it. Yeah. I just tell them, go to the American Customer, uh, Customer Satisfaction Index. They actually run a portfolio of stocks of their highest service performers, the companies that are that in their index are their highest performers, and they've done this for over 20 years. And those performers outperform the S&P 500 by over 600%. It's, it, seems, seems, it seems obvious that, um, you know, that, that the leaders should be thinking about this if they want to have greater financial success in their businesses. It's, it seems, um, yeah, like you said, it seems obvious. If you're going to outperform the S&P, if you're going to outperform your rivals is in the restaurant industry, you'd think you'd want to try to replicate that uh, or try to even one-up the, the Chick-fil-A model, but yet you don't see anybody really doing it, uh, which is really interesting. And keep on keep in mind, they're not open one day a week. Yeah, I know. And, and no, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, they're they're down one day a week and still outperform. Still outperform everybody else. Yeah, that, that is wild. So um, are there, you know, I mean, we talked about like, the leader's role, we talked about, um, you know, this idea of caring. Are there structural changes that need to take place in businesses to be able to have a more customer service or customer-friendly type environment? Yeah, I think, you know, it. It a lot of what we've already discussed, but, you know, you, we need to align everybody to service as the mission of the company, that that's our priority. You know, that I think businesses need to do that. And I think leaders, again, they need to be of service to their teams and encourage cooperation and collaboration internally. So they need to encourage that spirit of we're helping each other. And then, this is going to get kind of weird, but I think that we need to look at every delivery system that we have, and that includes not only people, but places, the environments that we use, like whether it's online or brick and mortar or whatever, processes that, that, that we use as, to deliver our value and products. And we need to ensure that just like people, that they do their jobs technically, but that they demonstrate care as well. And I know that sounds weird because we're talking about inanimate objects, but think about it this way. Imagine, if you will, that you own an auto repair shop and you have a waiting room, right? So what's the functional job of a waiting room? It's got to be a place where people can sit down and wait for their car. So really, to be functional, you could just put a bunch of old, hard, plastic chairs in a, in a room. And there you go. It, it does the job. And, and Jiffy Lube does that, by the way. I just, the other day, I was over there. <laughs> but if you wanted it to, to, to demonstrate care, how could we up that ante and demonstrate care? Well, those chairs could be really comfortable. You could have a TV on the wall so people had something to, to watch while they're waiting. You could have some coffee in there. It's not three days old, you know, but <laughs> relatively fresh coffee, you know. And that's how you know, a, a place, and in this case, it's a waiting room, an inanimate object, can demonstrate care. So imagine if you're in your operation, everything you did that delivered value to a customer demonstrated care. So it, not only does it do its job, so maybe it's a process, maybe it's a, a system that a customer has to go through. What if it didn't just do the process? But it did it in such a way that it was really easy and, and, and almost as if the customer never really had to lift a finger. That would demonstrate care for the well-being of the customer. 
So what, how would it change what we do if we did that in just about everything we did? We really thought about how do we make something not just functional, but how do we make it friendly? That's powerful. I, I think about it like, how many times have you gone to a website of a company, you're trying to contact them, and they've hidden any phone number or how to reach them? They purposely do it so you can't find any phone number. Oh, yeah. You know, that's one. And the other thing is when you get on, you know, the automated lines and you have to listen to, you know, a long litany of things and you're just trying to talk to somebody, right? And oh, I just um, want a person. Right, yeah. right. And so one of the things we did on our on our automated line is we we say the first thing right away. If you want to speak to somebody, press zero. We say that right away yeah. before we say anything else. And so we know, because that's the frustrating thing. You have to listen to this menu, you know, and then it's this, and then you press one and then you, you get into the next menu and the next menu. Well, that's not customer friendly. That creates, you know, by the time you get to talk to somebody, you're frustrated, you're angry, right? And and like you said, it's a structure. Is the structure customer friendly? Yeah, that's I never really thought about that. That but that's that's right on board. That's exactly uh right. And so this not goes, only, yeah. This goes right back to what I was talking about before about the human competencies and the technical ones. It's yeah. the same principle, right? We yeah. focus very much on, well, you know, those chairs do their job. Yeah, but they're not, but from a human perspective, they suck. Yeah. Right? I want to get out of here. Yeah. But you go somewhere where they have really nice, comfortable chairs. I mean, think about Starbucks and the difference between Starbucks and, you know, a lot of other places. You go to Starbucks, there's big comfy chairs. They got music playing. They got Wi-Fi. Yeah, they've made it really friendly. Yeah. And so you're going to go there and you're going to pay $8 for a cup of coffee because you, it's a friendly environment. Absolutely. That you yeah. made my life easier. You made my life better. I'm willing to pay for that. Oh, uh, this is, that's really, really interesting to to think about is the, not just the people, but the structure and uh, in the environment. That's, that's, that, I've never thought of it that way. That That's a really deep, uh, uh, a deep idea. I really like that one a lot. Um, you know, I mean, to, 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 to take, take a company and to shift it to be more uh, customer-focused, um, it, it's a big deal. I mean, if a company is not, to be able to change it, it's probably a big, like a big company would be very difficult to do that. But what can like the average employee do to make, to create a more service-focused culture, a more friendly culture? I, I, yet again, another big, giant question. Um, but before I answer that question, I want to clarify one thing. I rarely use the term customer centric or customer focused. Okay. Because my belief is that when you label something like customer centric or customer focused or employee focused, somebody gets left out. Mm. So if, if if your company's employee focused, well, okay, you're leaving out your customers. But if your customer if your if your company's customer focused, you're leaving out your employees. So I like to say Companies need to be service-focused. Nice. Because when you're focused on how you can best serve people, doesn't matter whether they're your customers or your employees. You're going to serve both. Yeah. And that's where we need to be, right? So to answer your question, um, I, I think one of the first things people can do is if somebody's really interested and they say, I really want to start moving my company in this direction. So you're, you're employee number 100, right? And you're, you're you know, that, to your boss, he doesn't even know your name. So... Um, you work in this cubicle. I, I think you st- you got to start by uh, having the conversations, not with your boss, but with other people that you work with. Say, this is something I'm really interested in. I think that we can better serve our customers if we better serve each other. Mm-hmm. And see what starts coming up. And then find the people that go, God, that, 
I love that idea. And you find your allies and you create your little army. And, and your army is not to start a revolution, it's to start an evolution, right? It's to start evolving your company. And you get these people together and say, okay, so how can we all better serve the people around us and start driving change? Yeah. And so as people, you, you probably were, you're old enough to remember this. There used to be an ad for, I think it was for Revlon or somebody, where a woman came on and she said, I told two friends about it. And they told two friends. Oh, yeah. They yeah. told two friends about it. And I think it starts to pick up steam like that. And it's almost like, and I hate to use this word, but it's like a virus, right? So there's yeah. one person and it spreads to two more and two more and two more. And eventually a lot of people start catching on and saying, this is something that's really working for us. you know. Yeah. And eventually somebody who has a voice and who has some power says, what are they doing over there in, you know, in the Northeast region? They're, they're knocking it out of the park. And he says, we need to do this all over the company. And before you know it, you're starting to shift the company. But it takes time. It takes persistence. I really like that. I, I've heard the expression like islands of excellence, as I've heard, whereas one way to affect change in a big company where you're not, you know, in the top tier is to create an island of excellence that gets, like you said, gets the upper management noticing, like, why, why, are, why is this factory, you know, you know, 10x better than our other factories, right? Uh, you know, and, and I think when you do that, you can impact change just by creating whatever your sphere of influence is, right? Start there and start making that sphere excellent. Make an island of excellence that gets noticed. And I think you can make an impact even, even if you don't have the title, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, like I said, it's like a virus. I hate, I hate during the current climate using <laughs> that word, but... It's kind of like that. It's a good virus. Yeah, it's a good virus. Right. <laughs> it's the friendly virus. It's the friendly virus. <laughs> so, um, you know, so what, what I'm hearing is that that leadership and service, they they intersect, right? Uh, so it's, it's this uh, providing the right uh, atmosphere, leading by example. Um, it's uh, reinforcing the principles. It's, 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 it's behaviors that are, seen by the employees what are some areas where the where service and leadership connect in your in your opinion well i think you know people oftentimes use the term servant leadership and it's not a term i like mm -hmm. and the reason i don't like that term is because uh, the term servant leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths you know they immediately like kind of turn up their nose and because servant typically has um a connotation that somebody is above somebody else and I think if we change the way we see that, if we look at um, look at it as I'm being of service to someone rather than being in service of someone. See, when I'm of service to you, I'm bringing you value. Um, and that doesn't put me on a lower plane nor a higher plane. It means I'm bringing something that you need to try to help you succeed rather than I'm below you, I'm in service of you, you tell me what to do. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's about leaders have to bring value. Because to me, the definition of leadership is um, helping a, a group of people succeed so that they can make a mission succeed. And that, that to me is what leadership is all about. So it, it's incumbent upon the leader to be of service to their team, to bring them value. Not to bring them orders and rules, but to bring them valuable stuff that they can use so they can succeed in their roles. Because if they succeed, the mission succeeds. Yeah. So that's, to me, where 
a big piece where leadership ties into service. But I also think that if you are in a service role, let's say you're a service provider, I think you have to think like a leader to, to be really be good at delivering service. Mm. Because to me, serving, at some point in service, you've got to be a person who's willing to step up and say, I want to help you. And the willingness to step up and take on serving and helping someone else, that's leadership. That's the kind of person I'd follow, right? So you kind of have to have a, a leadership mindset to serve well. Yeah. So you lead to serve and serve to lead. They kind of run together. They intersect. Oh, I love that. That is, that's really good. That's really good. And I, I feel the same way about the servant leadership side. I've, I've thought about that a lot. And, 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 um, because I think, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, I always say leadership is a people business and it is, but I think we can, it's the people, it's the people and the mission and, and, and the, the great leaders get the end part, right. You know, so they, they're focused on the on the people and the mission. And the, and when I think about my time in the Navy, we were really good at that, the people and the mission, you know, and and you can't just abandon the mission for the people. And I think serving leadership says it's people, 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 which is good, but you got to accomplish the mission. That's why I'm right here, yeah. you know, and I think that's, uh, it's it's good, good that you point that out. I really like that. Um, so, you know, your book, uh, The Uncomplicated Coach has been out for a few years now. What are you working on these days? Well, I, I actually am working on a new book, um, and it is largely about a lot of what we've talked about tonight, so I've given away some of the plot, but <laughs> great. Um, I'm still in kind of the phase of outlining and research, and and you know how research is, you you you, you find something, you start going down that road, and it leads you down five more, yes. right? And so, well, okay, now that I knew this, I got to research that, and then I got to research that and that and that, and you so you kind of get into this place of 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 rabbit hole after rabbit hole, and and I'm kind of at that point where it's like, okay, what point am I going to stop and just say, okay, well, I'm done. I've got the research. I'm just going to write, you know. So I'm not quite there yet, but I I'll get there. Well, but that's that's the big thing, kind of working on. That's awesome. And when when it's done, uh, we'll have you back for session three then and go and go over it. <laughs> so hopefully it won't be three years from now. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. yeah. This so Neil, this has been great to have you back on. Good to see you again, and uh, I really appreciate everything you pointed out. It was really good stuff, and I think you know it's one area we really haven't covered in the show up to this point. Uh, so customer service and the leader's role in customer service very important, and I really like what you talked about in terms of um, this idea of not just the leader and the activities and the and the behaviors, but the whole structure around your company and being customer, you know, and being a, a service. Uh, you know, orientation. And I really, really like that a lot. Um, Neil, how can people find out more about you, uh, your book, and all the things that you're working on? Easiest way is I've got a website, neilwitson.net, N-E-A-L-W-O-D-S-O-N.net. I'm sure you'll put it in notes or something. Um, that's the easiest way. Um, also, people should be feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with people. And if they want to go further than that, and we have a, a conversation. I can get them my email address through through LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on. I post a lot on Twitter and Instagram at Neil Woodson. And yes, I wrote a book, The Uncomplicated Coach, and it's available wherever you buy books, Amazon, and all those. You can get it in print, or you can get it, you know, electronically. However, you like to do your books. 
Yeah, outstanding. Such a great book. And and if you, you go back and listen to our first episode, we talked a lot more about the book and I love the book. It's one of my favorites. Uh, thank you, Neil, for coming on. We're going to put links in the show notes for all of Neil's resources. I highly encourage you follow Neil because Neil is my go-to guy when it comes to service. And and I I, I love I love every day he's putting out new content. Uh, and it's going to make you think about how service plays in the role of your job as a leader. I encourage you to look, look at that. Neil, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing all this. And uh, man, thanks for the past three years. I've learned a lot from you just by interactions with you online. And uh, thanks for coming back on the show. It's really good to see you. And let's let's get you back when that new book comes out. I would love to, John. And everything you said right back at you. I've learned a ton from you. And and your two books are fantastic. So actually, you've got three books, but um, yeah, the, the, the two, the one that's not the guided journal, those two books are fantastic. So um, people should, you know, go out and find those two books as well. So, but great uh, talking to you again. Great talking with you as well. And thank you very much for coming back on the show. Sure. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In. The Spanish Remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.